1: Welcome to this episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosher. In studio with me today is my co-host, Donnie. Hi. Hello. (laughs) I'll just I'll just call you that for now. We'll see how it goes.
0: So, uh, yeah, who do you work for?
1: I work for Matthew's Hope. Thank you for asking. I'm so glad you asked. So (laughs) uh, this show, Relevant Recovery Radio, is sponsored by the Matthew's Hope Foundation, and this foundation has an amazing 10- to 14-day detox uh, called the Matthew's Hope Detox and Recovery Program. We are inside St. Joseph's downtown, and we have a two-year aftercare program with recovery support included in our program. It's an amazing program. I happen to be the spiritual wellness director and recovery support team lead of that program. And I'll give you the phone number now, and I'll give you a bunch of more info at the end of the show. So if you need to get a pen and paper, cool. But the number is 844-263-4673.
0: Yeah, and you are a recovered.
1: I'm a recovered heroin addict.
0: That's right, and I am a recovered alcoholic, <laughs> and we are in an anonymous twelve step program. We
1: show is. We show is. So, I I'm excited to do this show today because. We try to find topics that are relevant to, like, real recovery stories mm-hmm. and things like that. And and I think that this topic today completely applies to someone that's in recovery, needs to be in recovery, or a normie, as we call it. Someone who does not have any substance use disorder. Because this, this is a reoccurring topic, Fear.
0: And and I feel bad. Like in in the recovery world, we have twelve steps. We have connection to a power. We have all these things to handle fear. To handle fear, and there's so many people in the world that deal with fear every day that have not one tool to deal with
1: it. Right. And so that when I was newly sober, um, I actually was really delusional, believe it or not. And I what? had yeah, I know it's crazy. That's I was weird. I was the last to know, but I was the last to know that I had tons of fear. Oh yeah. I actually didn't know I had tons of fear. I've always seen myself as very independent, very gung-ho, very strong-willed. I can get things done. Like, I just didn't have, I didn't think, any fear. Um, Once I go through these 12 steps and I'm in this program and I have to address fear, what I found out shocked me. It shocked me that I have tons of fear. And I a
0: personality disorder?
1: No. I have tons of fear around all kinds of stuff. I fear that I'm not good enough. I fear that my parents aren't proud of me. I'm afraid I'm not a good wife or a mother.
0: I mean, the list goes on. The list goes on
1: and on. So what I want us to talk about as we dissect this, let's begin with just like the effects of fear. So how does fear come out? In your experience... Well. What I mean, did it look like? The,
0: you have the fear today and you have the fear of yesterday. And if I, if we want to talk about the fear of yesterday, let's talk about the fear of or the fear of everything prior to being sober and being in a spiritual program. Yeah. Um, I was afraid of every single thing around me all day. What were you thinking about me? What mm-hmm. was what was being said about me? Are they going to fire me from my job? Does my family really love me? Am I going to be broke and destitute in a year? I mean, the list is literally 100 plus I was
1: literally scared that I believe heroin addicts just don't get sober. Mm -hmm. We just die. Mm -hmm. And so I was gripped with fear that there is no way to overcome this. I'm just going to die doing what I'm doing. And, And so I had tons of fear. Looking at the idea of getting sober... I was, a, I was scared of all the things I was going to have to, quote, give up.
0: If you look at just that aspect, <laughs> if you narrow this list of a thousand things of fear down to just the idea, so I am in my alcoholism or addiction, mm-hmm. and I am thinking, okay, something's got to give. I've got to stop this. If there was a way on the planet to stop this, what's life going to look like? Right. And, and immediately you're like, I mean, for me, I'm a drunk. Yeah. So I look at the obvious things. How am I going to drive now if I'm not drinking? <laughs> I mean, Houston has some nasty traffic. How am I going to stay sane? I was
1: I was in fear because I'm going to have to not talk to all these people that I think I have good friendships or relationships with.
0: Oh, the bar flies too for me, right? <laughs> yeah. Like all gotta my friends. I got to give up my friends. Yeah.
1: I got to give up maybe where I'm living. I've got to give up a month of my life to go to treatment maybe. Like, yeah. like I was in a lot of fear of what I was going to have to, quote, leave behind to get sober. I was very terrified.
0: And the funny thing is, fast forward, that if I don't go to one- one of my twelve-step meetings that I normally go to for a week or so, I've got texts and calls like, "Hey, where, where you are at? you?" Not one barfly checked on me.
1: Isn't that weird? <laughs> no, I Isn't
0: mean, how about your junkie friends? did of <laughs> your junkies like call you?
1: Well, I, there was a couple junkies that would reach out to me on Facebook after I got sober, but I think their motives were, uh, you know, not so great. <laughs> 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 but I just set the boundary, or I blocked them, or whatever. But but yeah, what I found out is they they really weren't friends. They were just acquaintances that we had a common bond of addiction together.
0: Well, and the thing is, is that this fear that we had trying, like thinking about getting sober was really just a fear of the unknown because fear
1: my, of the unknown.
0: my normal life was drinking. My normal life was to drink every day. And um, I, I, if I didn't want to time travel, you know, i.e. <laughs> blackout, I'd have to do some cocaine about it so that I wouldn't blackout yeah. I could get home at, from the bar and all of the things that I did. What did life look like without alcohol and drugs? I I didn't know because I did it more than I didn't do it in my and life. And here's
1: the weird thing about the fear of getting sober. A lot of people are scared to get sober for a variety of reasons like we're talking about mm-hmm. right now, but it's so odd looking back on my experience that I was scared of all that cuz my life was horrible. Right. That's so weird. <laughs> like my life, my you I know, agree. My, Your life was totally my horrible. My existence was terrible. Yet in my mind I'm scared of giving it up, but it really is just the fear of the unknown. It's not because yeah. my life is so great. Correct. It's because I don't know if it's going to get worse. (laughs)
0: Because it not only was the normal life of what we were doing, but I had fooled myself into thinking that it was the solution. Yeah, I was crazy in my head. I was literally crazy. And the only thing that calmed the voices and the noise and everything Mm -hmm. was the alcohol and the drugs. True.
1: Like when I was on drugs uh, and drinking, I I really believed I needed it to function, to be social, to be around people because I had so much social anxiety.
0: Yeah. And so
1: I'm like, well, how am I going to be around people or associate with people if I don't have drugs or alcohol?
0: How long did it keep you out? What? The fear.
1: How long do you think it
0: kept, kept you out?
1: I don't know that's hard to answer because I really didn't know what the so, the solution was either. I think it kept me up to year, 5. Maybe a year it, or two.
0: And I'm I'm an alcoholic, I can go longer. I think I went 3 <laughs> to 5 years.
1: Let's take a quick break. You'll be we'll be right back you're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier. co-host here in studio with me, Donnie Mosier. At least for now, we'll see how this works out. I'm hoping your beard grows back.
0: I'm probably and gonna get my own show. We're
1: talking about no, we're talking about fear today, and I'm in some current fear that your beard is never <laughs> going to return. And if you don't know the saga of Donnie's beard, you should listen to the last week's episode. It gives you more context on what I'm going through today.
0: <laughs> I, I didn't. The problem is I didn't know that your love and our marriage was
1: totally b- contingent upon your beard. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> so we're t- making fun of it, we're, we're uh, talking about fear today, and. There's a lot of fear around getting sober. There's a lot of fear on what you'll have to give up or what life will be like or the fear of the unknown.
0: Or how to just live life in general without a substance.
1: True. It's, it's your coping skill. Yeah. It's the one thing that made me okay and function in the world. Yeah. I needed this to get out of bed. I needed drugs to be a better mom. I needed that for these things, right? Who
0: would have known they did actually work for that?
1: <laughs> right. They didn't. It burnt my life to the ground. Oh. But, man, also, I was scared of who I would be sober
0: I didn't even know what that looked like. I'll be honest. I mean, I started drinking at 13, 14, 15, and it was a, a an uptrend until 41 when I got sober. So I drank more than I didn't. I did drugs more than I didn't. And so the idea of a life without that in an everyday existence, I, I didn't even know how to fathom
1: it. Mine was a little bit different because I did have more than a decade sober in my 20s, mm. and so I was not always this rock bottom, you know, junkie, right, or alcoholic. I had many years sober with raising my kids, but I you was said actually...
0: You your 20s? 20s, from can 18
1: we, to 29 I was sober. Can we have a
0: moment of silence for, for all my... <laughs> the people that had to live around you in your <laughs> right. 20s? My
1: point is, is that <laughs> even though I was sober in that, that chunk of time, I hated life. I wasn't happy. I struggled yeah. with anxiety and depression and all these things and and so getting sober and people are telling me hey work these 12 steps and you're going to become spiritually fit but
0: prior to that wait prior to that i had a friend that was well i I could quote fingers in the air friend he was my drinking buddy who said to me one time bro the problem is that you should just moderate Mm -hmm. (laughs) that laugh right (laughs) I got angry. Yeah. I literally got angry, and I said, "I don't know what you're talking about," and I don't even know what that even looks like. Right? It's just not in my vocabulary, and I, so I knew at that time that it wasn't a possibility. But some friends and family had started to make comments, mm-hmm. right? And that's what put my brain into the into the forward motion of. Maybe I do have a problem, and maybe I need to stop this, which then starts the panic fear of, well, I don't know how to live that way. But I
1: think that that's a real mature uh, understanding of the subconscious. I wasn't even there. Here's Mm. what was in my immature mind. If I get sober... Will I still like rock metal bands or mosh pits? Like how?
0: So with you, I'm so. Well, I still like movies, and it turns out later on there are certain stoner movies that I don't really get down with anymore because right. they're not as funny to me. But I think that
1: that was that was how immature my mind was. Of you know, will will new Heather like mosh pits? Well, new Heather does.
0: Mine was how can I have a barbecue again? Right. If I'm not drinking, how am I going to go to a barbecue? How
1: are you going to enjoy Fourth of July? How right. are you going to go to the wedding where they're having champagne?
0: <laughs> how am I going to... Wake up and go to work in the morning without smoking, you know, so much weed that it would knock down a baby elephant.
1: I just remember these days where it really felt like I had to have two or three pills of opiates just yep. to get out of bed and, and function and take care of my children when they were little. Before it, This is before heroin. This is before it exploded in my life. And I just didn't know what life was going to look like. That creates a lot of fear because people like to be complacent in what they yep. know. Yeah. and if all you've known or what there's, you're,
0: there's comfort even in discomfort there's
1: comfort in the in the discomfort because you're complacent and you're, you're used to it and you don't have to mm-hmm. get to know something new and so that kind of holds you back for a while but when i began to be willing to walk through the fear and being being willing to take suggestion from other and start to make some progress and eventually you write fear inventory <laughs> what did that what did
0: that look like so what did that look like so for me to begin to walk through the fear meant that my friend, Stephen, sat me down and had this talk with me. I didn't know that Stephen was actually sober. Mm-hmm. And he sits down and he starts to share what he felt like, like all of the feelings prior to getting sober. And I'm like, oh, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. And he went through all of that. And so for me, the very first thing that I was willing to do that walk through that fear... Is that on a Tuesday, I was willing to not drink or have a drug until I went to a meeting with him that night.
1: You are going to drink after the meeting.
0: I was going to, I wasn't sure. Right. Um, but I was not going to, that was the agreement. Mm-hmm. So the first piece of fear was one foot literally in front of the other and, okay, not going to drink a drug, not going to drink a drug, not going to drink a drug, get to a meeting. Right. Um, that was literally as simple as it got. I had to walk it that way. I,
1: me too. I think that I was in treatment um, all the times. But here's an here's a anecdotal story around fear before I got sober. Mm-hmm. I was living in a sober house. Um, struggling with chronic relapse. <laughs> before in and out. you got sober. Just before I got sober. <laughs> in <a> sober
0: house. <laughs> but
1: I may have been sober at this time, and I, I had to have been because um, I had some a suggestion from my sponsor. Mm. She wanted me to be involved with the fellowship. She wanted me to go to this meeting with her, and she invited me to come play sober softball with this softball crew. Mm-hmm. And this sounds stupid, but I was gripped with fear on what I would look like running. Mm-hmm. That it was a co-ed softball team, and so I was gripped with fear of people staring at me.
0: I've seen you run, and it turns out that some it's a, it's a, some fears are it's
1: grounded in yeah, reality. It's real. <laughs> um,
0: I mean, I love you, but you know. Listen, um,
1: so in my mind, I was too insecure and I did not and I I was on the phone with her arguing about my excuses on not going and she was trying to get me to see that you just got to trust God you got to trust the process you have to have some some faith and get, step outside of your comfort zone and I was I was not willing I did not go play softball and I relapsed yet again yep and and so what I learned later in hindsight looking back and actually walking through fear is here's the thing whatever you're fearful of doing God is not going to remove the fear, so then you can go do it. So if you're waiting on the fear to be removed first, so then you can go do the thing you're scared of doing, that's not the way that it works, and it'll never happen but that But we're way. talking
0: prior to working steps and getting connected to a power.
1: I had to be willing to go to these meetings despite people staring at me. I had to be willing to go hang out with the fellowship, right? right.
0: I guess that's what I was going to say is that you really – there is – When I first got sober, when I was willing to walk in the room, there was no God in my life that I knew of, that I was aware of. Um, And so it was literally one foot in front of the other, Mm -hmm. just willing to walk through the sheer panic Mm -hmm. and unknown and uncomfortability.
1: I remember because because I have uh, public social anxiety, going to meetings was terrifying for me. Going to a meeting where they might call on me to share was terrifying. I was still in that fear a year s- sober when I moved here with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to go to the meetings where they would call on people and stuff. And it's taken me some time to learn how to walk through this fear.
0: Well, and you've gotten less judgmental.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to the source, right?
0: <laughs> Why I have this fear.
1: But I think that when you look in context of fear, you have to be willing to, to say I don't know what the results is going to look like, mm-hmm. but what's, what I'm doing now isn't working.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's
1: going on now, how I'm handling it to be honest now. about it. You right. have to
0: really look at it with an honest view.
1: If you're able to. I wasn't able to for quite a while.
0: And so I think in the beginning you have to be literally willing to go, I am just stricken with panic fear, but I'm going to just literally put one foot in front of the other and not think about I it. I think
1: pain is a great motivator, though.
0: Oh, yeah, I was willing because I wasn't willing to live the way I was living anymore. Right.
1: And, and so that, that's what was going on with me. And I finally made some phone calls and went back to treatment and, and was able to get some help and, and just be like, throw in the towel, like a real surrender that I don't know how to do this sober thing. Mm-hmm. I might have a lot of fear and I don't know what next week or six months from now is going to look like. Um, even when I got sober, as I was leaving treatment at 30 days sober, I still did not trust that I was going to stay sober because I never right. had before.
0: Right, right. And you had a track record of not...
1: Yeah, The be- they say the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. My past behavior was, is that I don't stay sober.
0: I remember the first 12-step meeting Stephen took me to. I didn't know if I belonged. I, I was... I have never felt more comfortable in a room in my life... Yeah. But I just didn't want to feel the way I felt anymore.
1: And so if our listeners are listening and you identify or if you or a loved one would like information about our detox and recovery program, you can give Matthew's Hope a call at 844-263-4673 or you can visit www.matthewshope.org. We'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier, In studio with me, co-host Donnie.
0: Woo-woo.
1: So, uh, we're talking about fear today. And, man, I did not know fear dominated my life.
0: Right. And even though my life was in the gutter, it kept me out of sobriety for a long time. And I
1: really had to be willing to just take some steps in faith towards something different.
0: I had to be willing to walk through the most sheer panic experience of my life, being in a room of people that were not drunk and high <laughs> Yeah, together.
1: So I think people are also fearful of feeling feelings when they get sober.
0: Ooh, I avoided those for like 28 years.
1: Uh, not, me too. I'm still avoiding it.
0: I mean, quite literally, <laughs> well, yeah, you have no emotions, so I mean-
1: I have emotions.
0: Quite literally, I, I remember I put a dog down mm. that I had for 14 years- yeah. And I cried the day I put him down but just stayed drunk and high after that and never really dealt with it. And then I put a dog down when I was around two years sober that I had had for five years. He got cancer. And I bawled and cried for weeks and weeks and yeah. weeks after that. It was the first time I would ever felt that kind You're of pain. You're feeling more
1: grief uh, and it feels more intense because you don't have the drugs and alcohol to cover it up. I experienced that because when I was – not sober when i was on drugs and alcohol i lost my children and i wasn't in their life for many years you ever
0: find them where did you lose them i found them okay
1: (laughs) i'm back in my children's life today you know that oh yeah Uh, but um man i spent so much time staying high and avoiding feeling another reason i didn't want to get sober and it was holding me back was because Once I had got a day or two sober, I started remembering my kids and how much harm I was causing them and how much I missed them. And then I couldn't stop crying. So I'd go get drunk or high again to avoid feeling how uncomfortable that is. Then when you get sober, there was this gravity of the harm that I had caused. Mm. And I really had to be willing to sit with that pain and be uncomfortable and and work that out.
0: Like how many times do you have to give this advice to somebody newly sober who's like, I'm really sad. You're like, cool. Mm -hmm. Experience it.
1: Yeah, you have have
0: to. but here's the cool thing is that then to now, and, and I, I know that we want to cover how you get from A to Z, mm-hmm. but today at Z, when there's something that happens in my life that's really sad, my, my mom passed in January, mm-hmm. there's also a certain, and I know this is going to sound really weird, but there's a certain satisfaction with going through the pain. Yeah. I can't explain it. I avoided that stuff for so long that today I can sit in that pain and there's there's a there's a weird it, like it's just it's okay yeah to feel it but i avoided those feelings i just
1: really believe that we are spiritual beings trying to have a human experience and not the other way around you should and coin
0: that phrase someone else did i stole oh, it from someone okay. thanks for
1: pointing that out though but anyways <laughs> my point is is that I thought that how I felt and what was existing in my bubble was all that there was to reality. And yeah. I, I didn't comprehend the spiritual side of things. So now at points. There
0: wasn't there a spiritual wasn't. side. Yeah.
1: Uh, I thought there was.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. I was spiritual yeah, and I didn't
1: know I wasn't. And yeah. so then later now that I'm at point Z, what I see is the ability to match calamity with serenity. Like the program promises the ability to walk through trials, low spots, tough things, mm-hmm. you know, Th- calamity still happens life is still life no one drug or alcoholic or not no one is guaranteed a perfect cushion's life
0: human beings were created to suffer we only grow in suffering that's
1: that's why you know they say pain is the touchstone of all growth and so looking at the calamity with serenity like today absolutely nothing that could happen in life could make me relapse Nothing.
0: Yeah, there is no such thing as a trigger.
1: Right. No triggers if I'm recovered. No triggers if I've connected to power. And that's one really false idea that the recovery world has mm-hmm. uh, is this idea that, oh, if you end up in the wrong neighborhood or the wrong person calls you. or
0: Well, they're saying that there is an external, there is something external that could cause me to drink. And that's just not true because it's the protection true. that I get from a power greater than myself, whom I choose to call God. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Is not external and in worldly. It's an it's internal a job, internal thing.
0: I was explaining to a guy last week. Um, it's like, okay, so he's newly sober, and it's like, okay, so you haven't had a drink in a bit. How's your life? Yeah. How happy are you? How's that fear, right? And he's like, I'm not happy. I'm riddled with fear. And I was like, cool. cool. But we remove we removed the drink. I'm guessing that the drink was never the problem. The drink
1: was never the problem.
0: Right. So let's now get to the real problem, which is the internal, internal condition. What does my spiritual condition look
1: like? And that was something that was mind-blowing for me uh, going through the process of the 12 steps. I had to write, if your inventory, and I remember one of my biggest ones was public speaking or or social anxiety
0: which is weird because you love to hear yourself talk no
1: <laughs> I don't. That's so weird. <laughs> and it's weird that I talk for a living now. <laughs> like I do this, and then the methods I teach and, big yeah. and so uh, it's really weird. But in, in the early days, I could not even share in a twelve-step meeting. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I by I, the way, I, it
0: doesn't it doesn't shock me. It doesn't shock me because even though you have a fear of this public speaking, you have a fear of being in front of people. God's given you a gift. You're really good at it. Well, thank you. Yeah. You've been nice. To it's me. one of your spiritual gifts.
1: Okay. I I I know that it's not me, I know that it's God. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just wanna be real clear on that. Like I'm not so cool that I've just overcome my fear and pulled right. myself up by my bootstraps look at and look skill what that I've I have. achieved. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I'm I try to take on a altruistic mindset with all of this and I realize that this is only because God I have God's power in my life that I've commenced to outgrow the fear in this way. But what that looked like initially was trying to identify, okay, I have a fear, public speaking, yeah. right? Um, but my sponsor was asking me, like, why do you have that fear? And she was actually looking for, like, what is defective in my character as to why I have that fear? Because truth is, here's the thing. I was terrified of public speaking, but it's not because I've ever thrown up at a podium or something really embarrassing has happened to me.
0: There was no fact behind it. There
1: was no fact or history behind it. it was no
0: experience, yeah.
1: It's because I'm flawed as a human inside. Again, I'm insecure. Did you I'm,
0: say that again? I didn't hear it. <laughs>
1: No, You're what, you get as one a human? shot. All right. I'm flawed as a human inside. It's character defects versus character assets, yeah. which is kind of this whole like spiritual axiom thing.
0: Default or defects, sins, same thing. Right. And right. so I
1: was, I was super insecure. I lacked self confidence. Um, I was judgmental of other people's shares and meetings. So I'm just sure they're judging me, and therefore I'm a hypocrite. I'm, I'm me, 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 me.
0: A lot of pride and ego, right? Pride I and ego. know the right answer, so therefore I judge everybody else. I have a lot of ego. I'm always right. There's all those things. It's
1: all of that. It was the the inferiority complex, with the, with the delusions of grandiosity mm-hmm. in my mind, and it prevented me. It paralyzed me.
0: <laughs> I'm in the gutter, but I'm better than all of you. Yeah, uh, I've burnt <laughs> my life to the ground,
1: but I'm above everybody. Right.
0: <laughs> so, so let's let's step through that. So, your if your fear is a fear of public speaking, mm-hmm. and and so then we examine why. What's the real deal? Why do I have this fear? Well, I'm judgmental. I have pride. I have ego.
1: I'm insecure. Insecure. Lack self esteem. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
0: All right, so then the next question will be what?
1: She asked me, okay, so what things are you doing to not feel that fear?
0: So in other words, how does Heather combat that fear? How is
1: Heather trying to combat that fear? What do I do in self-reliance to not feel this fear of public speaking?
0: So you avoid the podium. I
1: avoid the podium. I avoid meetings that call on you to share. (laughs) I I... (laughs) remember
0: you wanted some stories, so I have a story for you. It's very personal to me. It's about you. Uh, We were at a birthday meeting at a rehab here in town. Uh And somebody said, hey, isn't it your birthday? And you're like, I don't want to go up there not doing this. Because you don't want to get up. It was a big room. It was probably 150 people.
1: Oh, more than that.
0: So... Somebody snuck up there and put your name in the hat, hey, Heather's celebrating a birthday, and when they called you up there, you went up there with your book and you literally physically threw it down on the podium with attitude.
1: Right. And so I'm very grateful you shared this <laughs> this story about me on a national level on my podcast. But yes, the truth is, is I was so scared of speaking publicly that even though I was turning two years sober, it was mm-hmm. years ago, let's mm-hmm. remind everybody, <laughs> <Three>. years ago... <laughs> Um, I reacted the way that I acted in self-reliance when I went up to that podium is I threw my big book at the podium and I shared yeah. with so much aggression. Oh,
0: it was very aggressive. arrogance. Well, I can just do what's in this book, <laughs> bam, you know but, what I mean?
1: But that was my fear coming out, and because I didn't want to go up there in front of those people.
0: And so what do I do when I'm in reliance about this fear of public speaking is I avoid public speaking. I judge others who are public speaking. I try to speak better than anyone else. I plan I'm my shares, I yes, this or that. Dominating. And at the core of it,
1: once I told her what these things were that I was doing to not feel mm-hmm. that fear, her question was, and do you still have it?
0: Hmm. So what you're doing is not working.
1: It hit me like a ton of bricks that what I was doing Mm -hmm. wasn't erasing the fear. And I was like, oh, my gosh.
0: And yet I will react that way every single time. And I've never looked at the results
1: because I had no other coping skill. I had no other way of looking around it.
0: No, we did have another coping well, skill.
1: couldn't do drugs and alcohol anymore about it. Oh, you it. mean
0: a sober coping skill? I can't go skill. do cocaine
1: about it. Like, I'm trying right. to be sober. Right. And so instead, I'm going to avoid this situation. I had all of these ways I was trying to band aid myself, wrap mm-hmm. myself in bubble wrap to not mm-hmm. feel that really uncomfortable feeling.
0: Completely avoid it.
1: And it didn't work, it didn't erase the fear. And, and the book even says, when it makes you cocky, it's even worse, And which is why I threw my book <laughs> at well, and, the podium. And So that's
0: that's the thing is, is that we'll save the fourth part of that for when we come back. The solution
1: back. is next.
0: But the thing is, is that all of these things that are I'm, I'm uncovering during this inventory process, I had no idea, I had never looked at it truthfully, that I have repeated the same patterns. Over,
1: over, and over again. Most of
0: my life. Yeah. But. I just need to apply myself. I can get through <laughs> I just it. need to
1: try harder. I can do it. I can do it.
0: Willpower. <laughs>
1: so when we come back, uh, we're going to hear a fear example of Donnie's life, and then we'll talk about the solution to step through and outgrow this. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier, co-host in the studio. With me, Donnie.
0: Beardless Donnie. Oh,
1: it's terrible. I'm telling you guys, <laughs> if you could see him, you'd feel my pain. Um, I'm in fear, but God is going to answer my prayers, and your beard's going to grow back very quickly. I've been praying for that.
0: I mean, it already is. Yeah. It's, it's getting there. It it's getting there. <laughs> I'd say within another week, I'll have you know a beard.
1: <laughs> so we're talking about beard today. Did you say uh,
0: we're talking about beard today?
1: I <laughs> Maybe. It's on my mind, I swear. <laughs> uh, we're talking about fear, and before we went to the break, I was giving my example of public speaking or mm-hmm. social anxiety, and that the reason I have the fear is not some chronological excuse. Mm-hmm. It's literally how defective I am inside, and and these fears will repeat like patterns over and over and over in my life, so what I started to notice is those th- same things were cropping up in other fears and other resentments and other patterns in my life.
0: And I spin my wheels, and I, I don't know it until I start to examine this, and I take a real look. Look because the only place I've ever taken an honest look is outwardly at everybody else. Right. I'll I've take your really inventory. Looked, absolutely. I'm good at it. <laughs> but when it comes to looking at me,
1: it's uncomfortable.
0: And, and it's really hard to be self-honest.
1: Yeah, a solitary self-appraisal is usually insufficient. This is why the 12-step world has sponsors. Um, right. You need their guidance, and, and I'm telling you— Oh,
0: I need an outside source every time. Every time. My <laughs> perception was broke the day I got sober, and I don't know that it's really that much different today. And
1: so it's beautiful that the 12-step world has um, a solution, a, a, a sponsor for that. Yeah. But if you're not in the 12-step world, uh, any priest or minister or rabbi or some a friend you spiritually respect there's all sorts of ways that you can ask for this outside opinion to kind of help put you under a microscope to take a good honest look at yourself
0: so we have these fears there's a there's a speaker that talks about you know every day i wake up and i get ready to go and I go downstairs outside of my apartment, and there's my car driver, right? And it's his name is Fear. Yeah. And he's just going to drive me around all day.
1: Fear drives everything.
0: And so once I've identified, so I identify the fears, right, through part of this inventory. I identify why I have them, pride, ego. Let's let's take yours again. Let's recap. Recap the one, two, three, your fear so we can close it out with the fourth Yeah, part. so
1: like my fear was public speaking slash social anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. But why do I have the fear is because I'm insecure, I'm full of pride, I'm arrogant, I'm I'm a hypocrite uh, I lack self-esteem I'm judgmental so I'm judging others so I'm sure they're judging me this is why I have the fear
0: I'm going to ask somebody, by the way, to clip all of what you just said out just so You're I can You're going have to replay it, it in our home yeah. <laughs>
1: over and over again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, so then my sponsor asked me, does that, so-? you know, what do you do to not feel the fear? And so I give reasons. Because uh,
0: I have a reaction. I have so a reaction. So when I feel that, here's what I'm going to do to beat it.
1: So I try to not go to crowded meetings or I don't go to meetings where they call on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get birthday chips at, at big meetings. like I,
0: You avoid being asked to speak mm-hmm. or go to a podium. Yeah.
1: And, and so she said, does that solve the fear? Nope. And it was like a ton of bricks that hit me that I realized everything I was doing to not feel the fear wasn't erasing the fear
0: it had never worked
1: and so that's how self-reliance was failing me over and over and over and her last question was cool what's a better way what would god have you do instead of those things Mm. and i had to take an honest look at that and on a base level i understood god would probably want me to get over myself number one Mm -hmm. that's probably true god would want me to realize i'm there to hopefully help other people trying to get sober because i've been given the solution
0: Not only that, but I think in that instance, right, so there's also the idea that, you know, pride is what I think others see me as. Right.
1: So I had lots of pride issues. And so pride is what I think other people think about me. Mm -hmm. And I was placing way too much weight in that. Right. And this goes into self-esteem or ego issues as well, because what it really needed was for me to develop a relationship or an understanding of who God says I am. I needed my validation to come from this higher power Ah. and not from other people.
0: Which is where I'd gotten it my whole life. And
1: so if people-pleasing or martyrdom, that's a whole nother, you know, swing of the pendulum over to the other way. If that's some of your character defects, um, that's why you would do that is because you want to feed that fear right. to get these people to value you so that that's where your self-esteem or your validation comes from.
0: Well, and let's dispel this rumor. If you are an alcoholic or an addict, I'm willing to bet what's in our bank account today that you are not a people pleaser, even though you think you are.
1: <laughs> right. It's all it's, it's all, all self.
0: self it's self-obsession, right? Mm-hmm. So in one way, I'm a self-obsessed person who's going to walk on people to get what I want. In another way, I'm a self-obsessed person that cares so much about what people think of me that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do that. Yeah. It's all self. It's all self. And so as I start building this relationship with God or this power, right, whatever it is, you know, the creator of the universe, the... Uh, spirit of the universe. As I start create, as I start getting this connection, and I start practicing the disciplines of the other steps, mm-hmm. I start building a relationship. And suddenly, and I don't know when it happens for everybody. For me, it took a while. Mm-hmm. I'm being validated by God. By like God. suddenly, I know that I am good enough as I am today, no matter what. As I sit here today, I am good enough in God's eyes, and I don't care what you think. That's
1: what really started to change this fear for me. Is I started to really try to learn, research, and absorb what God's opinion of me was so mm-hmm. I could try to believe that and pray, ask God to help me believe that. Number one, I did that a lot. But secondly, when I go to meetings, I, I'm, God is not going to remove my fear of public speaking so that I can share. Right. What God really wanted is for me to rely th- on him through the fear, through the action of sharing.
0: Okay, so wait, so you go through this inventory, you do your fear inventory, did it just get removed that day?
1: No, no i had to practice relying on god through the fear
0: and i had to practice relying on god i had to practice that relationship through all 12 steps true
1: and so i'm sitting there in meetings realizing the truth that why i'm sitting there scared of sharing but then god is nudging me like in my consciousness to share you have experience with this right. you have experience you have with something this ship. you have something to offer maybe help somebody mm-hmm. and so i'm literally in the meeting in my head praying well god i need, i need your help i need you to help me blurt out my name i need you to help me get over myself mm-hmm. and help me be helpful to this person well,
0: i think it's also when we're doing you know um, step 11 where we're that expanding that contact and having a good review of our day Step 12, when I'm constantly helping others. Yeah. What happens is through all of these things, through all 12 steps, I stop, the self obsession starts to diminish a little. But yeah. And I start to rely on God more. And suddenly I'm not really too concerned what people think of me.
1: Right. And that's one of the ninth step promises is I'll be less concerned with my little plans and designs. You know, self-seeking starts to slip away. I had to be working the steps and getting to that point for that to begin. And I've had to continue to work on it to go through this process to commence to outgrow this fear.
0: So recently, um, you know, in sobriety, so I'm coming up on nine years. So I've been doing this for a bit. And with getting your kids back in the picture and, and getting your son back, we had to put out a pretty penny. Yeah. And there's been a couple of different times. Financial fears for you. Yes. Yeah. Where in the beginning I had the financial fears and when I backed off and was just like, hey, God but will then, take care of it. But then did. God
1: always takes care of it.
0: And But recently, recently we sort of had a little, you know, I had a little blah, yeah. whatever you want to you call a it.
1: Relapse in fear.
0: Um, Financial fear. Because I felt like we're just never going to stop being bled, right? <laughs> that's what it felt like. But really, and... we're
1: never going to stop being blessed as long as we keep doing the right thing. But and that's so, hard to believe in the moment.
0: Right. And so that's what I had to work through, is I had to yet again do inventory, work with my sponsor. And once I got through it, I went, oh, yeah, every time I need more money, God just seems to throw it my way. So I really have nothing to worry <laughs> he's, about. It.
1: He's loaning it to us anyway. And that's the beauty. What I realized at the end of the day... I don't have any problem sharing in meetings now but it's because God and I have commenced to outgrow this because I have tried to let myself be uncomfortable and rely on him and God Mm -hmm. has given me the power to overcome that.
0: And all thanks to the 12 steps to get us there. Pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Well thank you for having this conversation with me about fear.
0: Yeah this has been cool. You've been
1: listening to Relevant Recovery Radio we're sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation and we're partnered with the Matthews Hope Detox and Recovery Program. We're inside St. Joseph's downtown. We are a 10 to 14 day medical safe detox, including IASIS, which is microcurrent neurofeedback. Yeah,
0: we've got to give a shout out to Brittany. I'm going to go see her tomorrow. So
1: if you would like information from our our IASIS provider, that's a tongue twister. Brittany's number is 832-397- 9179 if you, if you would like information about the Detox and Recovery Program our number is 844-263-4673 or you can visit matthewshope.org uh, It's a wonderful program uh, I teach Big Book there we help a lot of people mm-hmm. and if you're just curious about the information you can look us up
0: And you guys do a lot of IASIS in there to the patients.
1: All the patients get microcurrent neurofeedback while they're with us and, and I
0: started getting it in my 8th year of sobriety you know. and the things that it have in improved for me improved sleep ability to maintain a good diet um an ability to think through some fears and do the right stuff it's amazing
1: it's amazing what god can do thank you guys for listening uh we'll see you next week